Hey missionaries, this is Len the Bad Trouble. Just want to give you a little bit of heads up that we do have some audio issues with this most recent episode of the Michelle Mission. You'll probably notice that on the last couple of episodes, we had some feedback issues from time to time in the course of the recording. Nothing wrong with the recording. It really is just a matter of educating myself and Vince about putting our phones on the new recording table where that feedback is getting picked up into the microphones. And while I've done some things to try to correct the issue, there are ultimately moments when the talking was such that it was just too impossible for me to get the feedback out of there the a couple of times when it pops up. So I just want to make you aware that I'm aware of the issue and we are doing everything to try and curb this issue going forward. Okay, enjoy the show. Welcome once again to another stop on the Michelle Mission Two Men One podcast. Every black film ever made. I'm your host Vincent Williams, and I am joined as always by my partner. Hey, what's up? Holla at your boy. This is Len, aka the Bat Triple. And as we enter week two of our annual celebration of Afrofuturism, we take a stop in Canada. Oh, Canada. Although this isn't that part of Canada. We're Sharon Lewis's very loose adaptation. Some might say it is more informed by an acknowledgement of the classic novel Black Girl in the Ring by Nalu Hopkins. Brown Girl. Brown Girl in the Ring by Nalu Hopkinson. And this film is 2017's Brown Girl Begins. Yes. But before we get to that. Yes, we want to thank each and every one of you that uh, gives us feedback um, through social media and through emails. And we've got a lot of it to go through. It's funny how you misrepresented the, the name. We got a new uh, review okay. on iTunes Okay, that is a four-star review. So it's oh, not a five-star oh, review. Oh, oh, it's contra- a four-star Controversial. Mm. Well, it's from Jeb Iv 6 Hey, Jeb Iv 6 And he says, first-time listener, can't wait to dive in some more of these podcasts. The only problem... Uh-oh. You guys called Hollywood Shuffle Harlem, Harlem Shuffle, Shuffle I know. the entire time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been doing that forever. Yeah, it's so, much, it's so bad that even on the promo flyer, it, it says, says Harlem, Harlem Shuffle. Shuffle. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Jeb, you're absolutely you're right. You're absolutely correct, and, Jeb. And We're sorry. That, 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 that's why he only gave us four stars. And, and that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Jeb, it's a messy real-time process it is so but that's the thing the the crazy thing about it is that we're not even confusing it with another movie not at all it's a dance yeah i know we're confusing it with a dance you know what it is is black people so we think it should be harlem now you know what that is true oh i know that's exactly what it is exactly what it is that's exactly what it is that's 100 exactly what it is so and the bad thing is the more you talk about it the more in your head you fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. So we're saying Harlem Shuffle, but we're hearing 
Hollywood shuffle right. in our own heads. Yes. So. so. All right. But thank you for the review, Jeb. Yeah, we appreciate the review anyway. And we will try to do better. And hopefully he'll go back in and amend it. And maybe amend one it. Day and and give perhaps us amend it in all of the other episodes where we do get the title right. Yeah, but it'll probably be something else we do wrong. Well, you know, it's a messy problem. You guys didn't like The Last Dragon? It, Screw this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you never know what's going to set you people off. You never know. Um, we heard on Twitter. Hey. From Jonas Pope the Fourth. What's up, Jonas? Who said, Michelle Mission is my new favorite podcast house party is my favorite movie so i was scared to listen to this one but they are doing it justice highly recommended thank you jonas see people didn't did, see we stuck the landing with house there you party. go see people i think with house party people expect a certain certain films especially their beloved films like right. house party the color purple and stuff like that right People are expecting us to have like a, just a rollicking good time. Right. But then when we actually still pull it apart. Right. And find little layers in it. Right. They appreciate that. Type well, you know, I, th- I think that that goes back to the very beginning of the mission mm-hmm. where we said we are going to pay attention. Right. To these films and treat them seriously. And you're right. You know, maybe not the color purple. But certainly a film like House Party or, or you know, even Boomerang, mm-hmm. where on a very surface level, it's just sort of a romp. And right. this, that, but these are filmmakers mm-hmm. who are thoughtful and, and put this work in. And because it is this work, people haven't taken it as seriously as it can be taken. I mean, right. you know, obviously it can be enjoyed on this very superficial level. And, and you know, we've got the running joke about The Last Dragon. But I think it is fair to say, regardless of where both of us fell on the side of the fence of liking, not liking The Last Dragon, mm-hmm. you can't say we didn't take it serious. Very true. That's so. true. Absolutely true. Uh, let's see. We also heard from Lady Kenda Kali. Hey, Lady Kendakali. I like saying that name. I say she's fancy. She said, I'm late, but I'm finally listening to the Color Purple episode. Okay. When the topic of humor came up, it made me think of when I taught the book overseas. Oh. One of my high school students was in an abusive relationship. Oh, no. Because of the book, she brought up the relationship to her mother. Her mother ended up watching the movie with her. Um... And although the mother made a complaint about the heaviness of the book slash movie, her daughter felt the left the relationship and that discussion was had. Okay. And, and I'm, I'm inferring from that, that the humor lightened the movie enough that she could yes. show it to her. Well, that's what the Denise said. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the, the Denise's argument. And, right. and I think it made it palatable enough palatable enough exactly right. and and you know let's let's just be clear when i talk about i wanted a different tone mm-hmm. or a more somber tone akin to the book i i acknowledge i'm coming from a place of privilege right where right. this storyline and and this theme doesn't affect me on a visceral level like it might someone else mm-hmm. so i appreciate that Bougie Square Society hit us up. Hey, what's up, cousin? Let me shout out your cousin real quick. Okay. Because uh, he sent us those shirts, say, a tribe called Bougie. Yeah. Everywhere I go uh-huh. in that shirt, everybody's feeling it. 
Oh, well, I hope and, you point them towards I, you. I, I point them. I point them to where they need to sales. go. Yeah, I point them. So I'm doing my job. Yes, you are. I'm promoting it. I'm wearing it you all are. over. You are. And I point them. I point them in your direction. Because so I really appreciate it, the shirt, and, and it fits so well. It's washed and it still it's, fits. It's well. a very nice shirt. It's a good shirt. Yeah, it's good. This is good stuff. Anyway, uh, says so. I I got caught what watching the Oscar nominated. Uh, he says sarcastically, "Ghetto classic belly," <laughs> and I just noticed that DMX was on some R. Kelly stuff yeah. in the movie. I'm yeah. not sure what he's referring well, to. Well, remember, remember DMX's side girl. Okay, when she talked to uh, Taj at one time, she said that I've been knowing him since I was 15. Oh, and he yeah, only had me that's do, right. You know, certain actions until I turned 18. That's it's right. it's not a sequence that ages well. No, in a movie that doesn't age that well either. So a timeless classic. We also heard from Francis Dosso. Oh, hey, Francis. Hey, Lennon Vince. I'm a regular listener based in Glasgow, Scotland. Nice. Very nice. Big fan of the show. Thank you. I have a couple of Michelle Mission inspired thoughts that I'd love to put to you. Okay. First of all, I've heard the Will Smith turned down the Matrix story a bunch of times, but it never occurred to me till recently that if Will was Neo, then Lawrence Frisburn's role as Morpheus would have taken on a whole different meaning. The film could then be read in the context of black folks escaping from an apparently benign but actually extremely hostile environment. The series as a whole could then be viewed as a kind of future-slash-past reimagining of liberation from slavery. It would have been a black and Afrofuturist sci-fi film, and it would also fit neatly into black kung fu film history. If they recast Debbie Morgan as Trinity and made a couple of other minor uh, cast adjustments. Secondly, I heard you guys mention it a couple of times already on the show, but I would propose that Six Degrees of Separation deserves to be part of the Michelle Mission canon. Although it is ostensibly told from a white perspective, I, as a black person, have always watched from Will's perspective, or at least as a film about blackness. Apologies for the long post, but I would love to hear your thoughts on the above. Okay. What are your thoughts, Lynn? Well... And I think that someone, I think even actually Markham Lee might have pointed this out in responding to Francis, that if Will had been cast as Neo in The Matrix, right. then Lawrence Fishburne likely would not have been Morpheus. Right. I think Will Smith actually addresses that in that little Instagram post he did a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Where he talked about it. He said, like, Val Kilmer or somebody would have been cast right. as, as Morpheus. So, therefore, the dynamic to a degree might have still been the same it it probably still puts if will smith will in the lead role right maybe puts the black sci-fi afrofuturist you know shines that light on it absolutely a little bit more but um but then the argument is okay the truth is that if will smith is cast in that role you really don't have to change the role that much. So right. therefore, it doesn't become about him being a black person. So I don't know if it becomes, right. quote unquote, a black film 
in that same way. I, I think the only thing I would say is that the agents being these sort of faceless white men representing authority mm-hmm. would push it right over. Okay. I, okay. Yeah. Because right. I feel like the matrix is right there anyway. Like, like with, you, you know, there's so many people of color mm-hmm. there. There's so many people who kind of read as, as gender fluid. Right. There's some like, and then the whole, the whole message of, of we're all kind of plugged into the machine and, and, and do you, do you want to escape or, 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 or do you want reality, which is harder? Like this is almost conversations that we had throughout the 90s with five percenters and ciphers and stuff so it's right there and i felt like if will smith played neo i think that would have pushed it right over the edge okay but you know who knows who knows and as far as six degrees of separation i think that's absolutely a black film oh yeah i think so we just haven't gotten to it yeah yeah i love six degrees of separation i've actually never seen it oh it's got your girl in it Remember, we were just talking about Stalker Channing. I know. Yeah. I love Stalker Channing, but I don't watch everything. Stalker okay, Channing. yeah. She's good in it, too. Well, she's there's awesome. a surprise. Yeah. What do you mean there's a surprise? No, that, that's what I'm saying, of course. I mean, she's good in everything. Oh, yeah. I'm about to say, man. Dude. Yeah, Six Degrees of Separation, good stuff. I didn't know you hadn't seen it. I, I have not I think seen I had to shortlist that a little bit. All right. Well, you don't have to do that for me, but I appreciate yeah. your thought. We heard from... Let's see. Let me find it for you, Vince, because I had it. No, not there. Because people were, um, let's say, they they enjoyed our review of The World. Yes. (laughs) What's the name of the movie? The World. The World, The Devil in the Flesh. Yes. Yes. Uh, Rojo says, oh, my God, such heated debate in this one. (laughs) The thing is, you're both right, kind of. The performances were wooden and stiff. Thank you, Rojo. But they played it the only way they could for a quote-unquote race movie made in 1959. Thank you, Rojo. I'm curious to know how the story might have played differently if made at the same time. But the woman was played by either Dorothy Dandridge or Diane Carroll or perhaps even Cecily Tyson instead of Inger Stevens. Seeing this movie on a double bill with Islands in the Sun would certainly oh prove goodness. interesting. All that mis- uh, uh, miscegenation <laughs> or was, at least the threat I, of it. I was about to say, I'm going to say this. I'm not trying to reconvene that. But you were talking and you had me so heated, I didn't even catch what you were saying. Like you name checked Paul Harris, yes, who we had just talked about and yes. out all night. Harry Belafonte and Inger Stevens had way more chemistry than Paul Harris and the woman that was supposed to be his wife. Well, that's true. And out all night. I will give you that. I'll give you that. And that one scene, because missionaries, if y'all don't watch any other movie. Watch the scene where Harry Belafonte cuts her hair. Mm-hmm. There is more sexual tension in that one scene than the entire film, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? Which was made, what, two, three years after this? There's, there's not that much sexual tension in there. There's but sexual... there's more than in the entire film, there's Guess subtext, Who's Coming to Dinner? There's subtext there, yes. But as far as what is being presented on the screen by the actors, oh, no he's up on her and she's like, take your shot, 
player. Well, I think she, I think she's giving off a little bit in that scene. Okay. Okay. I'm just all right. All right. I'm all right. Again, guess who's coming to dinner, which is a fascinating movie to me because there's actually no conflict. It's just all these polite people. Okay, it is that's true. And sassy Isabel Sanford. Boy, I can't wait till we do that movie. Oh. Um Robert Monroe wrote in regards to our review. Hey, what's up, Robert? Damn! <laughs> that was a hell of an episode. It reminded me of the times when Cisco and Ebert would disagree about a movie and cuss. <laughs> All right. I'll take that. <laughs> so that that's the uh, response to the world. Yeah. We did that. Look. I'm not going to get into that debate again. All right. I'm not going down that. We also heard from, this is a, a, a good email from a fan of the Black Tribbles. Uh, he's called the Home Dad Abroad. Okay. Hey, Home Dad Abroad. Hi, Len and Vince. This is a long one, Vince, but he's he, you'll appreciate it. Okay. I'm an avid listener, but not really a feedbacker for this particular podcast. I prefer to sit back and learn about a bunch of movies that I haven't had enough exposure to, aside from the pre-1970s and black exploitation films you've covered in and out of film school. I particularly enjoy Len's passionate rants in contrast <laughs> to his usually even-handed hosting tendencies elsewhere as they remind me of my own tangentially plagued tirades. And after all, isn't that what the internet is really for, giving us all tiny mirrors with which to appreciate ourselves all the more. Anyway, although I like the perspective you both bring to the reviews, be they through racial, social, geographic, or cultural lenses, what I truly enjoy are your opening musings and meanderings <laughs> and the way it deepens the opinions you both bring to the rest of the podcast. Despite my preference to passively absorb the mission, I do have a small thing to contribute concerning one small tangent you guys went off on during your The Best Man warm-up. Okay. Uh, he admits he's a bit behind. It's not relevant to the larger mission in the least, but it's been rattling around my brain for far too long, waiting for someone who might appreciate it for what it is. Vince was certain that The Matrix was yes. a hard pitch and it was but not for long the wachowskis initially had trouble making producers and studio executives understand the script as exemplified when trying to describe the baffling scene when the character cypher strokes the unconscious trinity's hair while talking on a phone to her in a completely different location where trinity watches their alert and upright mutual friends collapse dead to the floor while they are sleeping next to her in reclining chairs on a ship because most producers and studio executives have absolutely no imagination. Right, 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 right. So, to fix it, they went out and hired a bunch of actual comic book artists to draw up comic book style storyboards, which is not the norm for storyboards at all, of the entire film before they actually had the money to make it. These boards illuminated, illuminated it all for an instant green light to both the production and their directing of it. And those boards were oh so pretty, but this was such a small mention on your show that it is probably a waste of time sending a note about it. Never. Anyway, I'm in it too deep now. So <laughs> to cap it off in my infinitely 
imitable, snarky manner. I ain't telling you how I saw the boards or learned the story because that would be the empty braggadocia of an anonymous internet creep who doesn't need any more help looking like a bigger a-hole than his emails already do. (laughs) And besides, it has been long enough that those boards probably exist in some form on the internet now, which robs me of any cachet from having seen them first. Yours truly, the home dad abroad. Oh, well, thank you for that. And as Paul Harvey would say, and now you know. And knowing is the half rest the battle. of the story. Oh, and, and knowing is half the battle. Also. Yeah, you look. Also, I don't so. know about Paul Harvey, but if you say it now, you know. The conclusion of is, that is, right, 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 right. is knowing is half the battle. That's right. Right, right, right. And thank you for that. Thank you very much, Home Dad yes. Abroad. We appreciate uh, uh, your email and appreciate you writing to our email. He's Absolutely. Frequent responder to Gutter Talk, uh, my other my comic book podcast. Speaking of comic books. Speaking of comic books. We heard from Clement Lewis Jr. Hey, Clement. Here's a comic book question because, uh, because you guys need a comic book show. Oh. What's up, fellas? Here are a couple of questions for you both and the show. Keep up the great work. I'm a big fan of the show. Vince, who is your favorite black superhero character and why? Okay. Oh, is is a natural yes. question for me? Yes. Oh my goodness. My default is probably John Stewart. Mm. Because I really like the evolution of his character since the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Um I was a big fan of a, of a series that he had called Green Lantern Mosaic in yeah. the 90s, which was kind of a funky <laughs> almost pre-vertigo mm-hmm. treatment of a character. And I love the way that James Tucker, Dwayne McDuffie, yep. and the team from the Justice League animate, animated series slipped him into that slot and developed his character. They did. They so, did greatly. So I'm, I'm a big Jon Stewart fan. So much so that when the Green Lantern movie that came out right oh, now almost maybe 10 years ago, yeah, if not even more, uh, when that movie came out, you know, do that. In all fairness, DC had already resurrected Hal Jordan. Very artificially, though. Very artificially. Like no one was actually knocking down the doors saying we want Hal Jordan. No. Um, and then they made Hal Jordan the Green Lantern of that movie. But there was a, a a pretty loud contingent that were like, "Yo, why don't you just use John Stewart?" Right. And by loud contingent, an entire generation of people. Yes. Of of all races, right? Who were f- big fans of right. the Justice League cartoon, right? For whom John Stewart was the Green Lantern was was the Green Lantern, and you know, you know we gonna go because that's one of my nerd triggers. So, but my answer is Green. Who's yours, Lynn? Uh, my favorite black superhero is I, I I like John Stewart. I do like John Stewart. Um, but I think my favorite black superhero is Storm. Okay. I'm a I'm I I do I appreciate Storm, and I appreciate it when they created her, um, Chris Claremont and um, Dave Cockrum. Dave Cockrum created her in the '70s. I liked her. I appreciated her look. I appreciated this, you know, you know, woman who may or may not have been a goddess, mm-hmm. you know, finding out she's a mutant, and you know, some of the things they've done with her over the years. 
I've kind of like appreciated her when she's been in that world of X-Men. I kind of left the X-Men world a long time ago. Sure. But in my eyes, Storm was for a long time the premier superwoman in Marvel. Right. You know, it, it, maybe you could put Sue Richards because of her place with the Fantastic Four. But as far right. as I was concerned, Sue, Storm was the preeminent uh, superhero, uh, superheroine in Marvel. And um, and I, I appreciated that that was a black woman. Yoka. So I, I would say Storm has always resonated with me. But I like a lot of them. I, oh, of course. The word Vixen. It's a lot. He has another question as well. Okay. Have you ever replaced your favorite white character with a black character based on a good interpretation. He has examples here. Um, His first example as far as his favorite black superhero. My favorite characters growing up were Spider-Man, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Captain America, mostly based on animation or the live action. Once I started collecting comics, I switched Storm for Wonder Woman as my favorite lady character. I became fans of Night Thrasher and Bishop. Okay. After the Christopher Priest run on Black Panther, I replaced Spider-Man, Batman, and Captain America with Black Panther as my favorite superhero character. That does not mean that I hate the former. I just relate to the black character more. Just curious if you have ever done the same. Uh, does not have to be a character from the big two companies, but any black character. He's just cur- curious. Clement Lewis Jr., a.k.a. Black Ronin. Okay. I've never really replaced anyone. Yeah, I mean, you know, I add, you know, I add people all the time. Like, like, you know, we said John Stewart. I said John Stewart's my favorite, but you know, I'm a huge Static fan. Mm -hmm. I I think Miles Morales is an amazing character. Yeah, and you know, I really, really appreciate the care that went into his creation. Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah, I do too. You you know, you know, not not just black (laughs) characters. Like, I really love Ms. Marvel. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Well, yeah, great is, comic book. It, it's a great comic book. Great and, character. And this is another character that you know I appreciate the care that has gone into her. And she's an original character, right, Moon Girl? Well, I guess kind of, sort of, technically. I mean, you know, Devil Dinosaur. Devil Dinosaur is not is, is yeah, with with, with from Moon Boy, but oh, so it's okay, the, right? It's the same Devil Dinosaur. It's the same Devil Dinosaur, but 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 Moon Girl is new. Right, it, yeah. so so they appropriated the Moon Boy, right? But and, but her story is is wholly different absolutely. from that from yeah, the Moon absolutely. Boy, character. right? Right, Devil though. Dinosaur is the same Devil Dinosaur, right? Like there are people, like people are listening. Like usually, I can sort of understand what they're talking about. Yeah, they're wearing the weeds. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. What's you get the seventies Kirby? Seventies Kirby. That's. That's advanced nerd work. Well, that's true. But yeah. I, but to be fair, we've crossed over into comic book land. Yeah. And there's a lot of missionaries that are like, what? Right, right, right. 30 second forward. Yes. 30 second forward. <laughs> but thank you for the email and, and giving us a chance to comic geek out for a second. Yes, thank you very much. Because we're responding to a letter and we're being good host by responding to a missionary's question. That's what we're Not doing. Not just because we like to geek out. About comics. Of course, we geek out very much. <laughs> we geek out very hard. <laughs> we really could. Um, uh, la, 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 la. Walt Walterson hit us up in our Facebook group. Hey, what's up, Walt? He says, I am sure that some of the missionaries, he called them mission knights. They're missionaries, Walt. Right, right. Um, have seen Highwaymen on Netflix. The Kevin Costner yeah. and uh, Woody Harrelson movie. Yeah. Um, about 
the Texas Ranger Frank Hamer, who uh, hunted down and ultimately gunned down uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Right. Back in the 1920s. He said that uh, I had to look up Frank Hamer afterwards to find out what was true. And I suggest that we advocate that there be another film about Frank Hamer. Yes, he gunned down Bonnie and Clyde and was a bit of a redneck Texas Ranger. But the but number two in a possible film series about about Frank would be about how he once saved 15 black men from lynch mobs oh my goodness i wonder was that at the same time like save the 15 men at the same yeah. time yeah i don't know i don't know about that that's really interesting that is an interesting yeah po- have you seen this film i've seen the film how was it i haven't seen i haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet i enjoyed it i enjoyed it a great deal um it's definitely is because i'm a sucker for a period piece sure sure uh, I, I it's a really interesting story it's a very interesting story yeah. and it definitely it definitely, if like if you watch this along with the the the, the classic mm-hmm. Bonnie and Clyde, yeah, it definitely de-romanticizes their story. Sure, great deal, and, and there's a lot to demythologize about Bonnie and Clyde. Sure, you know, without but still being true. Yes, they were seen as big stars at that time, but however. You know, the story focuses on they were cold-blooded murderers. I was murderers. about to say, they were pretty brutal. Cold-blooded murderers. And I think the reason why it gets lost or it's easy to be um, massaged in their movie is because a lot of their killing was of uh, police officers. Right, and they were robbing banks. And, mm-hmm. and, and they're robbing from the... And, and at this time, you you know, what was this, the 20s and 30s? Right, the right around. The closing on people. It was the yes. Great Depression. Yes. And they were seen as the bad guy anyway. So. Right, right. But but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I really enjoyed it. And, and I, you are left, after watching the chemistry between Kevin Costner and, and Woody Harrelson, you're left... At least I was. I could definitely. You want to see them some more? See some more. Yeah. But the thing is, is that both of them are called out of retirement, right, to bring down Bonnie and Clyde, right. So this is still very much, um, while it's not the their swan song, and Frank Hamer would still be a, a Texas Ranger for a few more years. It wasn't much longer than he went back to being retired. Right. So if you were to do another movie, it probably would be a prequel sure. of them in their youth. And then you can't now have you Kevin lose Kevin Cosner. Yeah, right. which which, you know, I've always liked Woody Harrelson. Oh, me too. And I'm I feel like Kevin Cosner is prime. He's grown into because, like, like you, you know, for now. years he was like the tall white guy leading mm-hmm. man, mm-hmm. which, you know, frankly, I always thought Kevin Costner was a better actor than a lot of the roles he got That's highlighted. The, okay. And little bit older, little bit more grizzled Kevin mm-hmm. Costner, mm-hmm. I think, is a really good, almost character actor waiting to be utilized. Yeah. Yeah. I, I dig it. I really, I really. Yeah. So it's on my list. I just haven't got. I mean, that's really interesting about the lynchings. Yeah, that that I didn't know about that. Yeah. So that would definitely. Yeah. Be. Thank you, Walt. Um. Did you see Vince? I'm cu- I'm curious. Did you see uh the trailer 
for the new Joker movie. You know what? I did. Did? You did? I did see with, it. With uh, Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. And I have to say, I am still resistant to the whole idea, mm. but I am not as resistant as I was before I saw the trailer. Me neither. Me neither. I'm extremely interested. Yeah. I'm extremely interested. It looked it looked pretty darn good. Yeah, yeah. And you know I love that 70s aesthetic. Mm, yeah. So yeah, and that's and it's like it's thick in there, right? Yeah. I mean it's 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 basically taxi driver. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, it's pretty it, it um it looks very interesting. Um who I wanna give credit where credit is due. Robert Monroe posted in our Facebook group. Tribeca Films recently just put out a guide to essential, underrated, and flat-out extraordinary films by black film black women directors. Oh, is there a list there? Yeah, so it's a nice little list here, um, and how, it's pretty substantial. I'll say how many pictures are on it? How many movies are on it? it wow, it looks like it's a good 20, 25 movies, Ooh, maybe really? more. Yeah, how many have man. we hit so far? Well, let's see. I mean, I know Daughters of the Dust and we did, we did on there. Yeah, we did, and we did the two of them. Yeah, um, we did Beyond the Lights. Yeah, which yeah. is actually on here, right? Uh, let's see. We also did. Do, 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 do. I mean, Gina by the Wood or, or Blythewood, depending on how you pronounce. Remember, well, someone. she did Beyond the Lights. Yeah, but she should be on there a couple of times. Let us see. I'm I'm quickly flipping right, like through. I'm assuming Love and Basketball is on there. Loving basketball is not. Here's a movie that I keep forgetting that we we haven't done, but we did. Okay, and that's Pariah, because right. the Michelle Mission hasn't done it. You know, I never picked Pariah. I did. Like, no, I'm waiting for you to pick Pariah on the Michelle Mission. I know, I know. I need to like, do I it. Like, I think about it all the time, and then I say, no, that's Lynn's John. I know, I know. I need to pick it. Um, Love and Basketball is on here. Yeah. Losing Ground. Did we do Losing Ground? We did not do Losing Ground. We've talked about that. Yeah. Um, Wow. Lift is on here. (laughs) I would have never thought Lift would be on here. This is a good list. Just Another Girl on the IRT. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jen is on here. The movie that uh, Dorian and Simone. Yeah, which are part which of. we have to get to. I'm just waiting for. I'm waiting for the the hit screening so I can check. Oh, uh, I just looking at this. I see that it is. So okay, we'll, we'll be checking that out soon. Um, so there are a few movies that are on here that we haven't done. Here's a movie. I'm I'm curious whether or not you have heard of this film because it's from 1977. That's okay, like in your wheelhouse. Hidden Memories. No. By Jacqueline Frazier. Uh, uh, Frazier evocatively and experiments with sound editing, image, and point of view in this gutsy and unusual memory piece as her protagonist recalls an unwanted teenage pregnancy. Frazier passes no judgment honoring the sanctity of a woman's choice. Oh. I like it. I like it too. Anybody that we would recognize in it? No, they, no, they because they don't mention the the stars of all of the movies. Okay, um, yeah, I like that. I like that too. So that's you know what we may have to use this. That's what I'm list, thinking. Man. Is Watermelon Woman on there? Watermelon Woman is on there, and I had okay. never heard of Woman. Yeah, Watermelon we've Woman. talked about Watermelon Woman. I almost chose Watermelon Woman the week that I chose Black Girl. Oh, okay, yeah. E's bio's on here. Of, of course. course. Uh, that's our way. Uh, um, 
and down in the Delta is on here. We haven't done that yet. Really? But that's on here. I'm a little ambivalent about that. Maybe I need to watch it again. I've heard people say that about yeah, that. Yeah, it didn't I, really I'm, impress me I a couple times I've seen, seen it. I have not seen that film. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of, a lot, just a good list. But speaking about Beyond the Lights. Yes. Which is a very underrated film. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy I chose it. I'm happy we saw it. And it, it is a very good film. Um, one of the stars in that movie, uh, Google, Gugu um, Mbatha Raw. Love her. She is in a new film that is on Netflix. Okay. Called Irreplaceable You or Irreplaceable Yours, I believe. Okay. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm gonna look it up because I want to. I want to do her, do her right by that. Um, movie and it just hit netflix recently she was in that cloverfield film last year too oh is she yeah which was very okay mm. but she classed it up more than it deserved frankly yeah irreplaceable you that's okay what, that's the name of the movie uh it's a real good movie it's a movie about a couple who have known each other since the age of eight and they're destined to be together until death do them apart. Oh no! And 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 I can say that freely because the, the trailer kind of like gives that sure. part of, of it away. Sure. Um. Uh. I, I watched it last night with um Tawana. It's on Netflix. Okay. It just hit Netflix, and it is a. It definitely is a tearjerker. Okay. Um. But it's very sweet. Very, very deliberate in the story that it's trying to tell. Okay. Poignant, funny. Um, Christopher Walken is in there, actually. And Christopher Walken is, he's a little, he's a little bit more understated. You know, he's, he's, you're not getting the full Walken. It's Christopher Walken. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really good. Uh, Michelle uh, Huseman, uh it plays the, co-lead with uh Gugu and Steve Coogan is in this film as well. It's okay. Di- directed by Stephanie Lang from a story by Bess Wall. It is a very good film. It's one of those films that I wish hadn't debuted on Netflix. Okay. Because if I knew that it got like some kind of short run, right. I would have easily pulled this movie. I don't know if if it's similar to what I'm about to say, but I've been looking for a reason to name check this for months. It, it sounds a little bit like that limited series that was on Amazon last summer, Forever, with Fred Armisen and Maya Rudolph. Oh, I, I, I didn't see that. I heard about it. Some people, I, I think it got kind of mixed reviews. You, mm-hmm. you know, it's the type of thing you don't want to talk about that much. Like you hear Fred Armisen and you hear Maya Rudolph and you think it's a comedy. Right. And certainly some of it is funny. Right. But it absolutely zigs when you think it's going to zag. Yeah. I got that from watching the trailer. Somewhere completely different. Oh, yeah. And like I said, I'll say this. It's it certainly I don't think is everybody's cup of tea. Mm -hmm. I absolutely adored it. Really? Like I absolutely loved forever. Like I love Fred Armisen. I love Maya Rudolph. Like Maya Rudolph is another one of those entertainers that I think she hasn't been as successful as she should be Mm -hmm. because no one can figure out how to channel all her talent. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's it, it really was one of my favorite things of the past three, four years. And it was just a short series. It, like- it was it was like six episodes. Yeah, yeah. It was like six episodes, and it's the type of thing where I don't think they set it up to continue on, mm-hmm. and they just sort of dropped it on Amazon. And, and, you know, like you remember, there were like one or two reviews of it. Right. And everyone kind of reviewed it like I just reviewed it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, eh, everybody's not going to love it, and it's not funny. But I loved it. It's my favorite thing ever. And then, right. like, I watched the first episode, and then I'd watched all six episodes. Wow. Is it half hours? I think so. I got to check it out. Yeah. I got to check it out. Here's the thing about Amazon. They're making so much money. Yeah. They don't need to promote their shows. I mean, it's just sitting there. And, you know, all this stuff is just sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like, so no much doubt. of the shows, I mean, because, you know, you hear, some of them break through, like the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel broke right, through. Right, right. Um, and that the, the one with Julia Roberts that kind of broke through into the zeitgeist, right? Right. You know, which wasn't that bad. Was based on the podcast, based on the podcast. Which, hey, and it Amazon, wasn't bad. Make but a show out of like, our podcast. Why don't you? This is a movie. Yeah, this is definitely mm-hmm. a movie to, to be mined here. Um, but there's so much other stuff on there. Oh, yeah. Like there's this show called The Patriot on there. Yeah, it's like a big action John. Yeah, John is all right. Yeah. I watched a couple episodes. That like, I gotta get with this man. Look, it is it we are living in a golden age. Aren't we all? Yeah. All right. Okay, a bit of uh housekeeping okay. for you uh you Star Trek fans. Oh yes. Who will be searching our our stream up and down for the latest episode of Spock Adjacent. I'm with y'all. Right. Because because as people have been hitting hitting us up. Uh, incessantly in the Facebook group, you know, like uh, somebody put in on there a picture of you know, you know, uh, 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 me after watching the most recent episode. It is a picture of uh, Avery Brooks <laughs> as as um as drew a blank on his on his captain's name Cisco uh, Cisco as Cisco and it, it is Cisco with like that is that gritted teeth it but it just says Pike. I'm like, yes, I'm with y'all, but Vince is not. I am not. I am not. I mean, just to you know, give you all a peek behind the curtain. We are we are taping at a time that we don't usually tape. That's true because we are going to a film preview during our usual taping time, and it has thrown my schedule askew. Yes. That and I was out of town all week, and I had to go to a wedding. So I just have not had time to watch the most to, recent to Star watch Trek. the most recent Star Trek. Which oh so, my god, I know, I know. If you were oh my god last week, well, you, you will know, be oh my god I'm this. Probably week. gonna leave here and go watch that, or keep sitting and watching documentary now. Which you know, speaking of old series, sitting on stuff. Documentary now is my jam. Three years after it's been everybody else's. Jam. Yes, like you are like so late to the party. Yeah, so documentary what but um okay all right so spock adjacent that's my bad the plan is yes for it to return next week yes with another two episodes. well you know we are gonna you know stay on schedule now you heard him yeah yeah yeah. we'll see what he does we got stuff to do this weekend too don't we (laughs) we do (laughs) the michelle mission is always busy trying to bring content to the missionary but this is not even this is not even our content well it's 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 It'll be out. It's there. missionary adjacent. Yes. Hey, ladies. I'll tell y'all. We are actually. We are not supposed to. Say I don't. Well, I don't know. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Therefore, be quiet. Oh yeah, we're not supposed to say anything. <laughs> I forgot. 
We're not supposed to say anything. Right. Darn it. Well, I don't know if we are. We'll see. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Regardless, we 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 are scheduled. This I week. can say this. Oh, okay. And I'll let y'all know more more information. I actually filmed on my own a segment for a documentary this week. Okay. Uh, they came to talk to me about um, Batman. Oh, and nice. And more more directly, the famous Batman meme. <laughs> a Batman smacking the bejesus out of Robin. Yes. They, uh, they're doing a documentary about that. Uh, <laughs> That's actually, fantastic. They actually sat with, talked with uh, Glenn Weldon of NPR and they, and about the, about the, do- for the documentary. And they sat with me, the Bat Tribble. Nice. To talk about. <laughs> Look at you sitting in hot Batman. cotton. Yeah. It was yeah. kind of dope. It was kind of nice. It was fun. I felt all fancy. And yeah. Stuff. Well, you are fancy. Oh. <laughs> all right all right enough of that enough of that let's get into our review of brown girl begins all right we'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it the spirits that walk among us. I don't believe in Obia. It's not Obia. It's a religion. So you believe? <gasps> You're frightened of me, don't you? For the good of our people, you must sacrifice yourself. No! You will heal others by taking on Brown Girl Begins, a Canadian science fiction film directed by Sharon Lewis and released in 2017. The film was inspired by Nalu Hopkinson's novel, Brown Girl in the Ring. Although for budgetary reasons, Lewis opted to write and film a prequel rather than literally adapting the novel itself. Set in a post-apocalyptic version of Toronto in 2049, the film focuses on a small group of survivors whose continued survival depends on Taijin's response to a potentially life-altering decision. Directed by Sharon Lewis, starring Mona Tare, Nigel Sean Williams, Shakir Saeda, Rachel Crawford, and Misha Brugersman, Brown Girl Begins was the choice of Lynn Webb in week two of our annual science fiction celebration here on the Michelle Mission. Lynn, what do you have to say about Brown Girl Begins? Well, first, just in listening off the cast, um, you forgot one prominent cast member, Emmanuel Kabungo, who plays Tony. Okay, it's, yeah. kind of like the, the other leading guy, mm-hmm. along with Nigel Sean Williams, who plays like nine different roles in this movie. And uh, Misha Brugger-Goldsman is actually a world-renowned opera singer. Okay. I was not aware of that. Right, right. And, um, and she plays... Um, Mama Eight. Yeah, Mama Eight, yeah. In this, in this movie. Um, and it, it speaks to why she spends most, most of the movie singing. Exactly. In the film. Okay, 
All right. I am not, I was not aware of Brown Girl in the Ring. Mm hmm. Um, from and it's fairly old. It's from 1998. Yeah, um, because I'm not a real big reader of a lot of fiction novels. I mean, I'm a comic book guy. Mm-hmm. When I read a book, it's usually a a, a um, biography. Okay. Um, or like a, or I like oral histories. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was not aware of that. Um, but you know, but you know, it sounded interesting, and I like the idea of a movie written by a black woman um, uh, well excuse me a book written by a black woman being adapted by a black woman who locked onto this and has just worked over over the years to try to bring this yeah. to life so yeah. there's the story the story is Sharon Lewis running into this comic book I believe in college yeah. and then just wanting working over the, the, the next 15 18 years to bring it to light right it's a real passion project right um and for it to be centered in canada but focus on the caribbean um people that are in canada uh and to be directed by a black woman i mean the story behind it is just is monumental right like you say for budgetary reasons you know that things have to keep getting scaled back and scaled back and scaled back on the movie. And, you know, unfortunately, the thing is that you can see some of that budget or lack of in the movie that, but that's the way of the world with independence, independent film. So then what has to happen is that you have to lean on your story. Right. Because then your story just really has to do the, the heavy lifting here. Um, and I think there is a story here this whole mixture of setting in 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 the future and i think they do a good job despite budgetary constraints of kind of establishing a future a dystopian future um to a degree where these people are set off on an island away from the wealthy i mean there's a whole story to be mind of like the wealthy taking over toronto expelling the expelling the the poor to this island uh, and then them essentially putting up this you know this invisible barrier barrier uh aka wall around toronto the you know so that they can't get in right um there's there there's a what i mean that story is just ripe for for mining and it touches on it in the beginning of this this movie i think budgetary reasons is why you couldn't get so hardcore into it and you had to land on the on the world of a prequel where you can kind of like just Set, keep your film centered on this island where everybody all the poor have been subject to they have basically have to rediscover life through farming and and um leaning on their cultural heritage their caribbean heritage and folklore and uh the the mommy character played by Shakura Sahido who becomes like kind of like the 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 high priestess of this of this clan or 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 or, or I, I I don't want to call them a tribe. There's just these people on this island, um, you know. So you've got to le- you have to lean on that, and because of that, you have to kind of create this story a little bit whole cloth. Mm-hmm. And in there, I think the story is missing 
the writer of the book that inspired it, right. Nilo Hopkinson, and her touch right. as far as telling the story. Yeah. Because I think the story, like, I mean, dude, yo, I wanted so much to love this movie. I I wanted to, I wanted to love it. And if I couldn't love it, I wanted to at least like it. And I feel you over there trying. I know. I know. I I really did, man. I know. I, dude. And, and then, you know, but you tag off whenever I know you feel like you're always the bad guy. I'll take the weight. The story is just not there. And then I'm like, okay, well, Maybe there's some, you know, but these these young actors trying, yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's it's it, yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, it's man. a shame be, be, because it, it 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 is a case where where you're pulling for this mm-hmm. project, you're rooting for you, it, you know, before you turn it on. Like everything you just said, you read about it and and Sharon Lewis's enthusiasm and passion for it yeah. comes through and and you know, Nala Hopkinson, I'm not I'm I'm newly familiar with this novel. Like maybe I've known about it maybe 3 or 4 years. Okay. But it's certainly you know, she certainly is part of that post Octavia Butler generation. Yes, of yes, of yes. women writers in particular who create Afrofuturism. And if you love Octavia Butler, you feel Sharon Lewis's pain mm-hmm. about bringing this vision to the screen. Yes, because so many of us have waited so many years. Yes, to see Octavia Butler, and you do pull for it. But you, you know. I'm actually going to disagree with you and and go a little harder than you did. Like, I don't think the film establishes a post-apocalyptic setting. Well, they try to in the beginning. Well, I know they try, but, but I think it's a combination of too many factors that aren't working that well. Mm -hmm. You've got the budgetary reasons plus you have a filmmaker that though she is passionate, she is a fairly new filmmaker. Yes. And a fairly new script writer. Yes. And she's working with this really ambitious story Mm -hmm. where, you know, it's this post-apocalyptic, but it's post-apocalyptic in Toronto. Well, it's post-apocalyptic and it's rooted in Caribbean folklore and yeah. and you know the Yoruba religion and she has to figure out how the the Orishas you, you know how to how to visually show yeah. them inhabiting a person and from the be- very beginning you can tell that this material is overwhelming because you have you know you talk about the beginning but it's always a red flag when you have an almost 5 minute voiceover and information dump yeah yeah i i because I, I was with it in the beginning of that voiceover to establish the world and then i just wanted to okay just let's let's go to the world right and we'll discover it with you right but then they just they kept on going right and i was like and oh. and with a world building task like this because you know you're you're, you're setting this in a futuristic setting in this case it's post-apocalyptic I think you have one of two tools that you have to have. Either you have to have the budget so you can just throw money at it 
and you have sets and you have extras and you have costumes and you have the special effects that technology affords from whatever you made it. Mm, so that you can see it. So that you can see it. Right. Or you have a skilled filmmaker who is able to utilize space, mm -hmm. utilize small markers yes. to let yes. you know that you are in a post-apocalyptic or in a, a, a fictive setting, if you will. You know, you think about a film like the original Mad Max. Mm -hmm. You think about a film like, you, you know, also out of New, you know, New Zealand. Um, well, Mad Max maybe Australia. Australia. Um, a Quiet Place. Yeah. You think about a film like, trying to think about just really low key, small films. You know what I was like thinking. Um, uh, 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 brother from another planet. You think about something like a brother from another planet, where you have prosthetic feet. Yep. You have some flashing lights. Yep. But because these are skilled filmmakers, it fills in all of the blanks. Yes. And I feel like Sharon Lewis, in trying to convey the bigness mm -hmm. of this story, her misstep is to kind of utilize these open spaces. Yeah. You know, these, you know, it's like, it looks like all of it is filmed almost at like a water silo yep. or, yep. or a warehouse on, on the one outskirts. location. And the problem is there are only maybe six actors in this whole film. Yeah. And it just feels like two or three people wandering in and out of these spaces yeah. for yeah. the whole film. And, yeah. and, it's a it's it's a shame, and, mm -hmm. and like you know, like I'll, I'll speak for you. You feel bad, yeah. Kind of critiquing this film like this, but the film is the film. Yeah, I mean, exactly like you said. That that's what's on the table, and that's what you've got to do. It it it. Not only that, because you've only got the six actors, you, having such a confined space, you really feel the space. Because they're basically going off a scene, off a off camera, coming right back on camera. Right. There's no real sense of even trying to evoke that there is more to this exactly. world. Exactly. Because now you have to pay extras. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, and and that really hurts. Also, and I don't know how much of this is the direction or the editing. The storytelling gets a real messy you know yeah. and it's hard to tell exactly like how this story wants to be told um what's happening as far as like you know um Tijon, who is the lead who's coming into her powers as a high priestess right um but she has to uh, uh, uh um she she's re She's resistant of that because she wants to have this relationship with Tony. Right. Uh, and then apparently they go off and live together for a little bit. Right. But I'm not quite sure if they do because then the her grandmother kind of like drops out of the movie. Yeah. For, for a while. But meanwhile, her grandmother had like a real tight grip on her. Yeah. So like, you know, well, all of a, all of a sudden she just dipped. Right. You know? Um, and then they're fighting against 
this lady lady crack in her whip. Right. I'm, 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 who works for someone named Rudy, who I don't know if they ever show. I don't know if they ever showed Rudy. Right. But the, um, but apparently. There's Rudy. Right. He's the big boss. Right. That you never see. And then even this lady crack, I think they show her once, but she doesn't speak until until almost an hour into an hour and a half hour film. And you don't really feel her grip on this, you know, island, as it were, because you only see her really taking it out on one character. Well, this chick who's crawling all over the place. Well, again, I think a lot of this is a a misstep of the script. Yeah. You know, again, it's, there are so many factors and none of them really work. So now we're talking about the script. You're talking about the storytelling um, where you would say it was messy. I just thought there, there were plot points that just sort of drifted off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you know, there are plot points that that I'm told are important, but they never really pay off. Yeah, and and you know, just the visual storytelling, so that I actually had a difficult time even putting together the actual plot. Yeah, like the actual conflict. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time the film ends, and I look back and say, well. You know, these are the pieces and these are the players. Yeah. It's it I think the, the that also is um the movie being, you know, uh, uh, a victim of having to probably constantly be scaled back over the years. Right. You know, so that it basically I I would be curious of whether or not this first did actually begin as an adaptation of the book, right? And then and it landed right on being a prequel. I mean, there there there's so many plot points that yeah. aren't touched upon, yeah, at all. And I think the the hope is that you know you, you kind of like build something, right, right, and then you can follow it up. And frankly, that's my hope. Yeah, like where I'm going to land is I think this film does not succeed. But I hope that it brought enough attention to this novel. As a lover of Octavia Butler, Nalu Hopkinson has gotten further in seeing her work on screen than Octavia Butler has at all. That's true. You, you know, That's I know. True. I know there are some things supposedly coming down the pike. Yes, Viola Davis. Viola and, uh, Davis and, uh, and, and Nandi Okiafor is writing the the, the script. Mm-hmm. But I've also been down this road enough times with That's Octavia true. Butler that until I see it on the screen, That's true. I'm not going to believe it. That is very true. And, and you know, the, the, the costumes, look, yeah, look, I don't know about you. Like, I'm not going to spend, but so much more time Bruh. on this movie and, and by on it, like having this critique, mm-hmm. it's, it, 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 it doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work. At the end of the day, it doesn't work. Also, Shakira Saida. Yes. Who plays the grandmother? Yes. I was distracted by her because she looked like Nona Hendricks from LaBelle. Okay. I didn't see that. And I was feeling very non grandmother feelings. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I, my God. I liked her. I. I... I, I wasn't feeling her. Yeah, I liked her. I mean, not. Hey, I'm not talking about her performance. Okay. I mean, her. 
Okay. I All thought right. she, was right. a, she, she was a very attractive woman. This is man Vince talking. Right, right. It was so busy. Everybody calling her grandmama and, and mommy, and she's like, hey. I think the, sh- the shame of it is is that um, the, the men in this film, mm-hmm. Nigel, Sean Williams, who play, played, like you said, four f- roles. Yeah. Uh, and Emmanuel Kabanga, mm-hmm. I think both of them actually had a little bit of a charisma. They had a little bit of a something yeah. going on. Yeah, you know, um, I would I would be interested in seeing both of them in other work. I I have to be honest, I wasn't as I was can't say the same about the lead Moana right. uh, t- Trior. Um, she didn't do anything for me, and Miaja Bruger Grossman, she basically just asked there to sing. Sure, and, sure, and so sure, she she is. I, I would I would say I would be open to seeing all of them in another project, seeing what else they got. Yeah, like I don't think, or rather, I didn't see enough for me to say that the actors are bringing this down. Fair enough. Yes. So, yeah. Oh yeah, I was. Uh, well, no. Y- yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I'm just looking up on IMDb. Emmanuel, he's done, he's he's working. He's working. Um, wow, there was a Taken TV series? I didn't know that. <laughs> he did work on there. Uh, he, so he's, he's got some work. He's doing some work. He's, he's he, all right. All right, man. All right. All right. He's doing some work. Uh, yeah. I, I'm glad to see that. And Nigel Sean Williams... I'd be curious to see what he's done because he actually is a little older. So, oh, he was in he was in John Q. He was in um, the famous Jet Jackson. Okay. Uh, he was in a couple of episodes of Suits. Okay. He was in Heroes Reborn. Oh wow. Okay. So he's done. He's done. Working actor. I mean, you know, like you said, if any of them stuck out, it was him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Because he played like Daddy Legba. Yeah. And a couple other Papa roles. Legba. Papa Legba and a couple other roles, and he was really good. So with or, all that or rather all that being said, mm-hmm. would you recommend Brown Girl Begins? I would not. I would not recommend Brown Girl Begins. Having said that, I hope Sharon Lewis is still making films. Yeah. Yeah. Like I hope she you you, you know, like 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 we said, I appreciate the passion that she brought to this project. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the moves she attempted to make mm-hmm. with yeah. the adaptation. And and you know you know I I, I think what what we're both really saying is that her grasp exceeded exceeded her her reach mm-hmm. or her reach exceeded her grasp. I never know which way that goes, but um. You know, if you don't go for it, you, you never know what your limitations are. Amen. So, so no, I would not recommend this film. Yeah, I can't. Uh, but I hope Sharon Lewis is still doing some work. Well, she's a director on 13 episodes of the TV series It's My Party. Okay, good. I'm not exactly sure what that is. Yeah. But, um, but she's, she's, she's done some work. Oh, and she was... Um, she was a director, and she did some work with the Property Brothers. She was a director there as well. Okay, good. So she's done some work. Good, good. I, I hope she she keeps honing her craft. 
Yes, I do too. And and I'd like to see more from her, but but this is not one of the things that I plan on watching. Yeah, I can't recommend this movie. And I really want it to. <laughs> you don't know how much I really truly want it to be yeah. able to recommend this movie, but I, I, I can't recommend it. I'm sorry. Um, but if you don't believe us, hey, you want to give it a shot? Give it a shot. It's out there, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Brown Girl Begins. Check Brown it Girl out. Begins. And absolutely read Brown Girl in the Ring. Yeah, because you said you're teaching this yes. in your in your class. Yes, I am. Um, and and this and this is good stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this this is good stuff because not only is is the storyline in the burn and 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 which is the island, which is the island or the outskirts of Toronto, right? And 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 the. The, everything with the Santeria or the or the Yerba, the, the with the Yerba Orishas, all of that is much more um, prominent, prominent, and and explored. And then there's a parallel plot with the forces, the powers that be within Toronto, mm-hmm. trying to prey okay. on the poor people in this community. And it's it's a pretty amazing book. Yeah, like like if you like Octavia Butler, you'll you'll like Brown Girl in the Ring. Okay, absolutely. So absolutely, read the book. There you go. Yeah. So if you come from this with uh, this show with anything, ladies and gentlemen, go grab the book Brown Girl in the Ring on um, Amazon, wherever place book. Yeah, it's it's pretty much a modern classic, so you can find it pretty much anywhere. All right, all right. Before we get into what we're going to be watching next week. As we continue our look at um, Black Sci-Fi and Afrofuturistic films, I invite you all to like and follow us on all the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Me Show Mission. Leave us a ranking and rating on the podcatcher of your choice, um, whether it be iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Pandora, wherever you get podcasts, wherever you get the Michelle mission, leave us a ranking and rating because that helps people find our show. Our show is also available through the Podglomerate podcast network of curated shows just for you. And in an edited form, it's available as a radio show every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM 106.5 FM, People Powered Media, here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And Mondays, you can spend your Monday mornings with Michelle Mission at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University. All righty. Um, hey, if you're in the Brooklyn area in July, you'll want to check out the Show Mission as we are going to be doing a live show at the Blurred City Con. Woo-hoo! Blurred City Con in Brooklyn, New York in July. And we are going to be reviewing, speaking of Will Smith, Men in Black. That's right. And I make this look good. Yes, you do. And keep your fingers crossed, ladies and gentlemen, because we have someone that's going to join us that's going to make us even look better. <laughs> and we're not we're we're not going to announce it not just yet. yet. Not yet. Not yet. But this person is about, I would say, close to eighty-five percent confirmed. Okay. Just All right. Got to check some things with the schedule. You know how it is with these folks in the business. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but once they confirm, All right. because because this person is excited to do it. 
it was their decision. It yeah. wasn't even us. They was yeah. like, yo, I'm going to be in Brooklyn. All right. What's up? We were like, okay. All right. So so we want to see if we can't make that happen, ladies yes. and gentlemen. So um, uh, stay tuned for that. We're going to be in Brooklyn. And we're going to have some more stuff that we're going to be doing with Bryn Mawr Film Institute coming up later this summer as well. Yes. More information about that coming your way. We did our talk back with uh, us a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to get that audio out to you. Um Promise to get that out this weekend. Things just got, things have been going crazy in the Michelle world. You just yeah, do yeah, not know. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And I also just want to real quick put it out there to all our uh, lady podcasters that are out there. If if you're interested in being a part of a cool festival, the Black Tribbles are presenting Respect, the Women's Podcast Festival. They'll be going down here in Philadelphia in August 24th and 25th at the famed Amalgam Comics and Coffee House on Frankfurt Avenue. You can get more information at womanspodfestival.com how you can be down with that podcast festival. Uh, We're taking in submissions up until April 30th. We're about to announce uh, another batch of podcasts that we have selected. Uh, Waiting just to hear back from a couple of them, make sure that they're, they're still down. But it's going to be really cool. Two days of live podcasts by women who are cool as hell in this uh, genre. All right. All right. Next week on the Michelle Mission, Vince, what we watching? Well, speaking of 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 post apocalyptic films that mm-hmm. that use you know limited markers to show it's post apocalyptic. Speaking. Of films that we've done talkbacks for, frankly. Oh boy. I want to full throttle and full throated claim this film as science fiction and as Afrofuturism, because I think you you know, one one of the, the more fascinating discussions around this film is whether or not it is science fiction. So I want to talk about that as well. So, well, we didn't do a talk back for Lethal Weapon 2. We did not, but we did do a talk back for Boots Riley's debut film, 2018's Sorry to Bother You, with Keith Stanfield and Tessa Thompson. Nice. And really a pretty stellar cast. Oh, yeah. So we did a talk back, you know, just to spoil, I think both you and I liked it initially. But let's see, once we actually have it on the show mission right how we feel about it okay so next week sorry to bother you all right i like that right. i like that oh man oh that's good that's good i, I was wondering what era you were going to go to mm-hmm. so i'm glad you went to that era because i have my film picked for the week after okay and i'm clear okay all good. right good. good all right so all right next- sorry to bother you next week here on the show mission Oh, I guess we gotta go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Just come out like oh boy at the end of Ferris Bueller. Are you all still, still here? here? <laughs> Just walk off. Um He's Vince. I'm Len. In parting we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again.
Now it's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.